0: Welcome to The Musical Man, the podcast that shines new light on the Tony Award for Best Musical. Each week we examine the nominees and winners of that esteemed decoration, and this week we'll be discussing The Light in the Piazza.
1: After Lobby, after Fountain, go to Arno, making left, and left again to Tornaguari, all along, and then you see Museo. After Lobby, after Fountain, go to Arno.
0: But first, how are we doing? I hope this episode finds you well. We do not have any material for our opening segment this week. I was ping-ponging back and forth between a couple of ideas, but then I just realized, you know, why force it? Why try to conjure up some magical opening segment? If I'm not feeling it, that means we just need to go directly into the show facts for this week's subject. You don't want me running around, sweating up a storm, trying to whip up something that I'm not feeling. You know what I mean? I was going to talk about X. I was going to talk about XX. But I'm just going to put all of that aside. It just, it didn't inspire me. I'm not inspired. You know what does inspire me? This week's subject, the light in the piazza. And so, even more reason to get to it as quickly as we can. So, without further ado, let's get those show facts. Show me the show facts regarding the light in the piazza. Yes, the light in the piazza was a 2000 nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical. It opened on April 18th, 2005 at the Vivian Beaumont Theater and ran for 504 performances. The book was written by Craig Lucas and I have a nice bit of trivia regarding Craig Lucas that I will drop. Not now, not just now, but, you know, just sort of put a pin in that. Just a fun bit of trivia regarding Craig Lucas. That'll come later. So this book, this musical in general, is based on the 1960 novel by Elizabeth Spencer, which had previously been adapted as a film in 1962, starring Olivia de Havilland, Rossano Brazzi, Yvette Mimieux, George Hamilton, and Barry Sullivan. The music and lyrics were written by Adam Gettle. The director was Bartlett Sher. Musical director, Ted Sperling, choreographer. Uh, actually, we have a musical staging by, those are always fun, musical staging by Jonathan Butterell. 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 Butterell's more fun because I get to say butter. Scenic design, Michael Jurgen, Lighting design, Christopher Ackerland. Sound design, Acme Sound Partners. Now, I am of the opinion that you should not go anywhere near a company named Acme. I feel like that spells doom, but you know, they took a chance and it worked out for them. I think that's an outlier situation. That's just my two cents. Okay, so let's move on. Costume design, Catherine Zuber, the original Broadway cast included. Michael Bressi. Victoria Clark, Patty Cohener, Bo Gravita, Mark Haralick, Felicity LaFortune, great last name, Felicity LaFortune, wow, Matthew Morrison, Kelly O'Hara, Joseph Saravo, and Sarah... Uriarte Berry. And of course, as always, I apologize if I'm mangling any first or last names. I do apologize. I try my best. Now, in terms of Tony nods, The Light in the Piazza won. Best original score, Adam Gettle. Best actress in a musical, Victoria Clark. Best orchestrations, Ted Sperling, Adam Gettle, and Bruce Coughlin. Best seating design of a musical, Michael Yergin. Best costume design of a musical, Catherine Zuber. And best lighting design of a musical, Christopher Ackerland. It was additionally nominated for best musical of course best book of a musical craig lucas again bit of fun trivia coming not just now though i know his name just came up again you might be wondering can we take the pin out of the corkboard no 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 we'll have to just Hold off on that. Best Featured Actor in a Musical, Matthew Morrison. Best Featured Actress in a Musical, Kelly O'Hara. Can't believe they didn't at least get one of those two people an award. They being the voters. Fools, I say. And finally, Best Direction of a Musical, Bartlett Cher. So, 11 nominations in total. Six awards at the end of the day. You knew I was going to say it. You knew. The plot. Let's get the plot of the light in the piazza. Our story begins in Florence, Italy, as American tourists Margaret and Clara Johnson begin to explore the city. The year is 1953, by the way. Margaret is eager to absorb the local history and culture, but when an errant breeze sends her daughter's hat flying across the square, it winds up changing both of their lives. The hat is retrieved by Fabrizio, a handsome young man who takes a liking to Clara, Margaret cuts their introduction short and leads Clara away to a nearby gallery where the art inspires a powerful longing within her daughter. After getting advice on how to dress and dance from his brother, Giuseppe, and father, Signor Naccarelli, Fabrizio races to meet Clara and her mother a second time. Signor Naccarelli, having tagged along with his son, convinces Margaret to let them escort her and Clara to the... Piazzale Michelangelo. The Johnsons eventually agree to have tea at the Naccarelli home, where Margaret finds herself overwhelmed with fear. It's clear Fabrizio and Clara are falling for each other, but Fabrizio does not know everything about her daughter. He doesn't know the truth about her. As Margaret suffers in silence, Giuseppe's wife, Franca, takes Clara on a tour of the family's apartment. She confesses to the American that her relationship with Giuseppe has begun to deteriorate and that marriage has a way of causing love to fade. The evening ends with Clara and Fabrizio vowing to meet each other at midnight near her hotel. Margaret calls her husband, Roy, who is back at home in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Roy is uh, what the Italians might call a fucking dick. He doesn't care about Margaret or her concerns for Clara and the conversation fizzles out rather quickly. Margaret discovers with horror that Clara has gone missing. Uh Uh-oh. She takes to the streets and eventually finds her daughter in a state of hysteria, having become hopelessly lost in the streets of Florence. Upon leading Clara back to the hotel, Margaret recalls a terrible event from the young woman's childhood, an accident, one in which Clara was kicked in the head by a Shetland pony. This trauma greatly affected her mental and emotional development, leading Margaret to fear she will never be capable of of living a quote-unquote normal life. Fabrizio sneaks into Clara's room and tries to declare his love for her, though a limited grasp on English makes it difficult. Despite this barrier, the couple comes to an understanding and Act One draws to a close as Margaret walks in on them in a state of undress. Act 2. Margaret, determined to avoid a calamity, has taken Clara to Rome. The Nakarellis are shocked by this turn of events, having assumed Fabrizio and Clara were on the road to marriage. A horrible fight between mother and daughter ends with Margaret slapping Clara across the face, and it is this act, coupled with Clara's breakdown, that causes Margaret to reconsider her actions. They return to Florence and begin to prepare for the wedding. I should say, I did not mention this in an earlier moment in this summary but they are engaged (laughs) right before act one comes to a close and we go into intermission they do become engaged I realize now that I completely just sort of soared over that I, I was attached to a hang glider and I just went zip right over that, so I do apologize. Franca, having grown bored of Giuseppe, she's restless, you see, she kisses Fabrizio in an act of defiance, and this causes Clara to fly into a rage and hurl a drink at Franca, who is impressed by her future sister-in-law's righteous fury. She vows to reconcile with Giuseppe, and all is basically set to right. That is until the wedding rehearsal, uh uh-oh, when Signor Naccarelli has a sudden change of heart. He drags Fabrizio and the rest of family away from the Johnsons, leaving Margaret at a loss and Clara in tears. Margaret meets with Senior Naccarelli, fearing Clara's childish handwriting on the wedding form may have given their secret away. In actuality, Senior Naccarelli had reacted to Clara's age, which is 26. In his opinion, she is far too old for the 20-year-old Fabrizio, but after a long walk, Margaret convinces him to give the marriage his blessing. Another call to Winston-Salem results in a bitter argument between Margaret and her husband. Roy feels that Clara is in no position to marry anyone, but Margaret has already come to terms with letting their daughter go. Clara, having overheard her mother's conversation, fears she is destined to bring Fabrizio little more than heartache. She tries to end their engagement, but Fabrizio makes it clear that nothing could affect his love for her. Still, Clara hesitates. How can she leave her mother and the life she has always known? Margaret convinces her daughter to take the risk. And as the ceremony begins, she allows herself, Margaret that is, allows herself to reflect on motherhood, Love and all that has come to pass the end. Now, for the purposes of this week's episode, I listened to the 2005 original Broadway cast album. I watched the Tony Awards performance for Statues and Stories. And watching that made me fall in love with the show even more. It's like I had fallen head over heels all over again, especially when Clara's hat flew into the air on stage. What a simple and breathtaking theatrical effect. I also crack up anytime. <laughs> I crack up when an ensemble appears on stage one by one. And they sort of flesh out the onstage world, this world of the ensemble. And there's always someone on a bike. And I find that very funny because when I did She Loves Me back in college, of course, I had to ride a bike, a.k.a. sort of scoot my ass four feet on and off stage on a bike. So I just, I always think it's funny when... <laughs> <laughs> I always want to sort of raise my hand and go, you don't have to have a guy on the bike. You don't, you don't have to do that. We all understand there's a little bit of, there's more than a little bit, actually, suspension of disbelief. We don't have to worry about the guy on the bike. It's fine. Now, I was speaking with listener Rob. He was going to get me access to the live from Lincoln Center performance of The Light in the Piazza. This would have aired on PBS on June 15th, 2006, uh, but I have not received that as of yet. So, Rob, if you have that if you are able to get that to me i will watch that uh, gladly and i will follow up with a report in a future episode let's go into the deconstruction of the score shall we let's start with that lovely overture in Piazza's opening number, statues and stories, there's a moment in which Margaret invokes the image of, quote, a dawning day unfurling, quote. This is exactly what I associate with this show's overture, which is an objectively perfect piece. It stands apart from everything within the canon of musical theater by acting as an ode to the classical, symphonies, suites, etc. But this is not derivative of classical music by any means. It's very much an island unto itself, innately modern yet timeless in its sophistication. What makes me nearly cry is that easy turn into the title theme. Once you've heard the OBC album from front to back and return to the overture, this transition specifically will stand out and have the same effect on you, this I can guarantee. I'll say it again, we need to bring back the substantial powerhouse overture. I can no longer accept these spindly 60 second intros that operate under the guise of an overture. Properly immerse me in your musical's aesthetic, please. Random question Does anyone else think of a Zelda title screen when hearing portions of this overture? Do not leave me hanging, people. I don't want to seem crazy. I'm- can't help but linger on is how Gettle transitions from his overture into the opening strains of statues and stories. It's yet another example of those soft gradual turns and when you arrive at his destination it comes as a nice surprise. Oh we're in the show now? We've begun? Well that's delightful. Another touch from Ghetto I routinely look forward to is that low portentous note from the piano, the one you hear during Margaret and Clara's second recitation of You Can Feel It, You Can Follow. That chord disrupts an otherwise effervescent soundscape, and I mark it as an indicator of the strife to come. Speaking of Margaret and Clara, if listening to these characters make their way through Florence doesn't leave you yearning for travel, I don't know what could. I'm a total homebody myself, but you better believe the prospect of exploring sun-dappled ruins and losing hours at an art museum sounds pretty damn appealing right about now. Kelly O'Hara as Clara, I mean, where do we even begin? The phrasing on display, how she soars through the air on the back of every note— Luxurious, it's a privilege for the ear. And when she sings, the painting of the world we know, my feet lift three inches off the ground. There is a supreme amount of warmth radiating throughout the light in the piazza, and O'Hara is the source. Before we move on, I like to circle back to the lyric I mentioned a second ago: the painting of the world we know. This speaks to Piazza's fascination with how people can relate to art. We Often long to see the perfection of art reflected in life because great art is the unification of great elements, whereas life is often a messy combination of less than ideal circumstances, right? I absolutely understand why Margaret and Clara would want to escape from their anxieties and exist within the suspended rapture of one glorious instance. The suspended rapture of one glorious instance. Rasputin, get a life! But watch yourself, Clara. People get Ah, people can get lost in statues and stories. Ask your mama. She knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) question for you, my fair musical minions. Do the Jason Robert Brown hairs on the back of your neck stand up as the beauty is begins? The piano intro is conjuring the last five years in the old brain pan, but maybe I'm a nut. Sometimes I feel like a knight. A knight? (laughs) (laughs) I fucked up my own stupid joke. Sometimes I feel like a knight, sometimes I don't. I'm leaning into it. What we need to accept before talking about The Beauty Is is that The Beauty Is absolutely slaps. Exhibit A. These are very popular in Italy. It's the land of naked marble boys, something we don't see a lot in Winston-Salem. That's the land of corduroys. If you think corduroys as a rhyming payoff for marble boys, is anything less than fantastic, you can get out of my house. Corduroy's is a uniquely musical word, and when it appears in this number with a corn-fed flourish, it makes me smile. Sit down. You don't actually have to leave my house. You haven't even touched your pie yet. Exhibit B. Come on already when Kelly O'Hara sings, I'm just a someone in an old museum, far away from home as someone can go. Witchcraft. This lyric B. See how it positively transport me, I tell ye. I am 100% there in that museum with Clara. I see her strolling past past centuries of carefully curated history, it is quiet and cool and dark, and you can see the dust that practically hangs in the air, while Clara appears as a tiny butter-yellow ember floating through the space. I am there, baby, I tell ya, exhibit C. This is wanting something. This is reaching for it. This is wishing that a moment would arrive. This is taking chances. This is almost touching what the beauty is, which... Kills me. All of that kills me. I am on my knees because my legs have turned to al dente spaghetti noodles. This is top tier, I want material. And you can't get much better than the beauty is. I'm sorry. Case closed. Case closed. Bang, bang, bang.
2: All rise. Clara, la luce luce nella piazza, light mia luce, mio light ora che sono light all'ombra non
0: While it may be true I can't speak a lick of Italian, Matthew Morrison's rippling trills and breathless repetition of Clara are all I need to pick up on what Fabrizio is laying down. Il Mondo Era Viotto does feel like a pit stop on the way to Morrison's proper showstopper, that being... Pazijada, but I never find myself getting impatient in a mill house fireworks factory sort of way If anything, Il Mundo is a satisfactory amuse-bouche. By the way I am always this close to putting Matthew Morrison in the cream pie cutie club, but it's probably never going to happen He and Neil Patrick Harris are two crackers out of the same dry sleeve And I do not see why I would ever get on my back for either of them tough, but fair tough, but fair two tickets to the top But fair, please come with me.
2: Walk with me, walking in my city on a passage and I see the faces from the daytime talking in the evening. See the churches shining see Sky now is I am happiness. Never I am unhappiness, now is I am happiness with you. Come with me, walk with me in the place that I know La Passage. Ja- i oh, no.
0: Matthew Morrison has any sort of understanding when it comes to the scope of his career, he would agree that his rendition of Pazajada is his sharpest point of pride, for crying out loud, the vocal flex on walk with me to the place that I know alone should have won him that Tony. The lyric now is, I am happiness never I am unhappiness now is I am happiness with you, is evocative of Rodgers and Hammerstein and Frank Lesser. Specifically, they're writing for shows like Allegro and The Most Happy Fella. Admittedly, I have not sat down with Allegro in a long time, but it's the show that came to mind regardless. Back in their day, such a line would have been played for a light laugh, back in the day of Rogers, Hammerstein, and Lesser, I should say. Whereas here, it's delivered with the utmost sincerity. The Your Skin Is Like Milk section is impossibly cute, especially when you take the full arc of Clara and Fabrizio's relationship into consideration. At this early stage Fabrizio can only think to offer a genuine albeit surface level compliment. It's literally surface level. He's talking about her skin. But by the time act two starts to wind down that youthful infatuation has matured into something deeper and Fabrizio's first instinct when honoring Clara is to now appreciate what makes her tick. Get yourself a partner who can see through and look into the heart of you without flinching. Find the Fabrizios of this world and nail them down.
1: Very handsome, your new fellow. You and I are very much alike, I think. You and Fabrizio, like you and Giuseppe. You see? Two pairs of lovers. How truly happy you must be. You are the first who set him on his knee. You're the envy of so many girls, and you are the most beautiful so
0: For a thematic sister song to a Little Night Music's The Miller's Son should look no further than the joy you feel from Piazza. Everything Petra from A Little Night Music feared, everything Petra feared about entering into marriage has come to pass for Franca. The good times are long gone, and all she has to look forward to as Franca is a lifetime of resentment. For the purposes of this comparison, you'll need to pretend that Petra, from A Little Night Music, grew up to become Franca in Piazza. She changed her name, okay? I'm sure most of you had no problem tracking that, but I want everyone on the same page, okay? In lesser hands, a character like Franca would have been little more than a conniving shrew who lives to stand in Clara's way. She would be made to deliver lines like, "Oh, you Americans are so, how do you say, so simple? Tell me, do all of your women walk around with dust on their skirts? And Clara would... (laughs) look down at her skirt and she would turn beet red only to triumph over this heartless nag in act two, etc, etc you see where I'm going with this but the light in the piazza is not pretty woman it's not interested in pitting women against each other instead, Franca is drawn as painfully human, the sort of person who shares way too much about herself and is constantly projecting her insecurities onto everyone else I am feeling, how do you say like crap, and so the world must be crap She genuinely isn't interested in spoiling Clara's happiness, I don't think. But her SNL Debbie Downer nature is constantly getting the best of her. My Debbie Downer comparison is supported by the fact that this track ends with an honest-to-God womp womp. Let's hear that. Womp womp. Case closed. Bang bang. All rise. Dashing as the
1: We met Only there is something I don't recognize Though I cannot Name it yet I know it Beautiful Is what you are Only somehow Wearing a frightening Disguise I can see The wintering Day. So when, when was this day? Was it on the church step? Suddenly or out of love. Does it go creeping slowly? When was your dividing day?
0: Margaret is in dire need of a reverse Bridges of Madison County affair. Full stop. Anyone who looks into the eyes of their partner and sees, thank you, we're done here, needs a clean break from all previous arrangements. Say goodbye to your daughter and lose yourself in the Italian countryside, Maggie. Pulling under the Tuscan sun, buy yourself a charming villa. Fuck the baker. Fuck the local carpenter. Fuck someone half your age. But let's focus on the name of this number. Dividing day is the number you just heard. The concept of a dividing day is compelling to me because it represents a shift right? A dividing day knocks us off the path we charted for ourselves. They stink is what they do. Margaret actually has two dividing days in her past, though for the purposes of this beat, the show is only focusing on one. I want to talk about both. Clara's accident is a dividing day for Margaret, uh, one she can easily find on the calendar, but the day her marriage fell apart, the second dividing day, uh, that one may forever elude her. Which of the two is more painful? To look back on is the question, is a seismic upheaval of the earth more or less traumatic than a gradual slide into the abyss? The day Clara no longer needs Margaret is one that Margaret may not be able to face because who will need her at that point? Roy? I mean, heed my advice, Maggie. I mean, come on already. Fake your own death and open up a little cafe in Naples, huh? Fuck the postman. You'll thank me.
1: Why don't you train
0: dropped the following red-hot observation on Twitter, so forgive me if you're familiar, but this has not stopped moving through my head since Robin asked us to cover the light in the piazza. Say it somehow, I will understand. Glinda dreams the way we planned Um, two jigsaw puzzles Uh, two jigsaw pieces I should say from different puzzles and yet they fit so well together perfecto manja manja look what am I supposed to say about a song like say it somehow it stole my socks okay it knocked me out this is embarrassing to admit it knocked me out and stole my socks on the corner of 5th and Broadview I had to file a police report if you ever need a shot of musical theater vitamin D follow Follow this prescription from Dr. Musical Man to the letter. The beauty is followed by Pazajada, followed by say it somehow, followed by the light in the piazza. Listen to these in sequence and call me in the morning, alright? Please note that I am absolutely not a doctor. Say hello to your mama for me.
3: me means help me in Italian. I don't speak English, but I have to tell you what's going on. Fabrizio, he thinks he wants to die. He thinks he ruined everything. His father says that this will pass. Giuseppe asks, was she as sweet as she looks? And Franca also wants to know in her own special way. Here is what I know, what I do. I let them boil and simmer and stew, and I don't reveal myself. If there are suspicions, I encourage them. If there are rages, I say, louder, please, louder. Does father cheat on mother? She suspects. Does father know that she suspects? He suspects. Without risk there is no drama Without drama there is no IU to me Without asking for help
0: play the game of comparisons all day, and we will. Uh, Let's draw another connection between this week's subject and a Sondheim piece, shall we? When I hear Signora Naccarelli reflect on her ties with Signor Naccarelli, my mind takes a hop, skip, and a jump over to Follies and Could I Leave You. From Piazza, this lyric, does father cheat on mother? She suspects. Does father know she suspects? he suspects. I suppose that's not really a lyric so much as it is a portion of Craig Lucas's book. Craig Lucas, fun bit of trivia coming up in your near future. Now let's compare that to the sentiment expressed in Follies. Could I bury my rage with a boy half your age in the grass? Bet your ass. I just think there's sort of a shared sentiment there, a nice vibe or mood that just really compliments the other half, huh? You know what I'm saying? Signora Naccarelli's testimonial, which absolutely could stand to be fleshed out even further, in my opinion, I could use more of it, this led me to realize what she, Margaret, and Franca have in common, that being their shared disillusionment with marriage. The spoiled aftertaste of unions gone sour lingers within each of them, and bearing witness to Clara and Fabrizio's euphoria gives them pause, but how they react in the face of that euphoria is what sets them apart. When you're not happy, and you don't have what you want... How do you engage with people who are and do? Do you give voice to your latent pessimism or wrestle with it in silence? Do you become an obstacle or a source of support? Of course, the words these women choose and the actions they take are influenced by other forces as well, the lingering trauma of World War II, for example, the sexual politics of the 1950s, and on that note, the gendered pressure to suppress your needs and opinions, which is uh, uh, universal, not relegated to that one particular decade. The world around these three characters has changed, is changing, and while Clara and Fabrizio invest in their future, the pain these women experience is firmly rooted in the past is it time for them to make a change will they allow themselves to ask for more ask for what they need i sound like i'm giving a prompt for an english essay pencils down class bang bang all rise Aladdin, there's this whole sequence where Jasmine and Aladdin soar and tumble through the clouds on a magic carpet ride. Listening to the light in the piazza is like that, except the magic carpet never does any loop-de-loops. No, 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 no. This is a slow and relaxing and steady ascent into the heavens, a cumulonimbus world of pink and honey hues where earthbound noise drops out. Let me be perfectly clear, Bernie Sanders' voice, let me be perfectly clear. We are underrating Adam Gettle as a composer. We are sleeping on him, and it is shameful. A lot of people know his name. But have we done enough to ensure more people know his name? The answer is no. I've done my part. I've used my platform to raise awareness. What have you done today?
1: We nice people doing.
0: the score rarely utilizes the entire company, so when everyone came together for, I am suddenly alone, I would sail across the world to know the harbor of your heart, it scratched an itch I had not yet identified Octet is also yet another opportunity for O'Hara to shine the way she thunders through he is mine, he'll always be mine, kicks my thick ass three ways to Sunday, I lost my socks and now my thick ass is getting being pounded. Diving into the context of this octet sequence, I have to ask, how can you not be on Clara's side when she erupts? Franca, for God's sake, don't kiss your future sister-in-law's fiancé if you're not interested in getting roasted straight to hell. Of course, Fabrizio was on the other side of that kiss. We can't pretend he's some doe-eyed babe hobbling through the woods. But I have a feeling Clara will bat him around accordingly because Clara knows how to fight. Her anger isn't a sign of instability. It's what comes when you have something you're willing to fight for. You do not mess around with someone's homestead. Ah, ah. ah fighting for the life you want and making clear what you will and will not accept. These things are not necessarily synonymous with being polite. Margaret, Franca, and Signor Naccarelli ignored their needs to avoid conflict and prioritize a steady course, and look where that got them. Team Clara all the way, I say. Some people deserve to be shamed in public. Oh, I think I'm gonna kiss Fabrizio. No, Franca, learn a lesson today, you will.
2: The wind and do not know that you are beautiful or that anyone is watching you. This is what I see, and I notice how you hunger. And do not think that you are tall enough like you're standing on a mountain side alone. This is what I see. As I have never seen before Since that moment in the square When your heart is carried in the air Just so you can chase it Just so I can be there This is how I know This is what I see this is a love.
0: and I often reflect on the innumerable amount of coincidences that led to us meeting. So when Fabrizio recalls catching Clara's hat, well, it's a relatable and pretty darn exquisite touch, if you ask me. Love to Me is an A-plus ballad that should be in heavy rotation when it comes to the audition circuit, but I do wish it were a duet. Where's Clara? She's right there. She's right there in the scene. Let's get her in there vocally, huh? As we saw last week, I'm all about conversations over soliloquies, especially when two people love each other and are in the same room. Allow Clara to respond, I say. You ever notice how I tend to shout something right before we go into our next clip? It happens all the time, and it never gets old for me. Hope you can say the same for yourself. Shouting, next clip! You
1: can look in the ruins for a wishing well, for a magic apple, for a chariot tear, for a fable of love that will catch.
0: Excellent summation of everything Margaret has found herself grappling with throughout Piazza. My take, here is a person who spent most of her young life absorbing the stories and imagery associated with high romance. And when her marriage proved to be a little more than a series of dull days and minor humiliations, it understandably hardened her heart. And yet, there she is at the top of the show, surrounding herself with idyllic vistas and a culture steeped in the promise of Capital L love. She can't help but be drawn to and resent these signifiers, but in the end she realizes that's her problem, not Clara's, and no child deserves to be held back because their parent has fallen behind. I have all sorts of thoughts on why we need a Piazza movie shot in Cinemascope. A musical movie, I should say. Yeah, we already got the one movie with George Hamilton as Fabrizio. How strange. We need one in Cinemascope. But all of my ideas regarding that project are too difficult for me to articulate. Those images live more fully in my head than they do on paper. Just know that the movie in my mind is stunning and I have fable all mapped out in terms of how it's shot. What the fuck was I doing just a second ago? What was that melody I applied to the phrase, the movie in my mind? The movie in my mind! (laughs) One last note before we end our deconstruction of the score. I had no idea how much I appreciate a repeating hum. The show ends on a repeating hum. That hum hum. What a treat for the ears, Mr. Gatoi. Thank you. I had to talk about the humming. You can't not talk about the humming. Ah, okay. So normally, this is when we would hear from our sponsor, 5678 Coffee, but we have a new $3 a month patron, Brian. And so Brian deserves a special musical shout-out. I spoke with Brian. We arranged for someone that he enjoys to come in. Well, no, they are in quarantine, I guess. Yes, I remember. I've already heard this musical shout out they were very prompt in sending it to us and they are being responsible along with everyone else Uh, you're being responsible right musical minions yes ah no more stalling let's get this musical shout out for brian thank you so much for being a patron brian take it away musical shout out (laughs) Hey, Brian, this is Jesus from Jesus Christ Superstar, buddy. Hello, Brian. Yeah, it's me. Okay, it's me, the big JC. Look, I'm here to uh, record a musical shout-out for you, Brian, our latest patron, our main man. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I haven't sung this song in a while, man. It's been a while, but we are going to rock this out, dude. I've kind of got a Janky setup here. Okay, I'm in quarantine just like everybody else. Okay, so I'm recording this. I'm also sort of syncing myself up with a karaoke track that I found on YouTube. This is from Karafun Karaoke. 1.34 million subscribers. Wow, 1.34 million subscribers. Okay, fair enough. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hit play. We're already recording, but I'm gonna hit play on the karaoke track, and uh, I'm going to snap my fingers so that uh, John and Patty or Benny, whoever puts this together in the end, uh, they're going to be able to sing this up based on my snap. Okay, so if you hear a snap, okay, that's just something we're going to have to leave in. That's just what we got to do. Okay, so I haven't sung this song in a while, and I know that you're really excited to hear the sort of whistle tone high notes on the word why. That's you specified when you got back to John he said, I really like to hear that whistle note, that why. You got to trust in me, okay, that I'm doing my best, okay? I, I did my vocal warm-ups. I did some zip zap zops, okay? <laughs> Brian, I know you're an improviser, so you'll appreciate that. Uh, so I'm checked in, but you know, I'm I'm not a spring chicken, okay? Buck I'm not a spring chicken. I love corn. Uh, I just, I'm not the guy that I used to be. So enough dilly-dallying, enough sort of self-effacing. Uh, Context as we go into this. I'm going to try my best and uh, I'm going to, you know, maybe throw in a few references to a guy that you might know, Brian. Uh, His name's Brian. That's you. Okay. (laughs) All right. So this is me, Jesus Christ, from Jesus Christ, superstar, duh, singing Gethsemane. I only want to say, let's see if we can get this going here. Okay. So I'm going to snap. Okay. Don't get distracted by my snap. Okay. That no was snap. Okay, let's go. I only want to say If there is a way Brian, take this cup away from me For I don't want to taste its poison Feel it burn me I have changed I'm not as sure As when we started Then I was inspired Now I'm sad and tired Listen, surely I've exceeded Expectations Tried for three years Seems like Thirty Could you ask as Much from any Other man But it? See the saga through and do the things you ask of me. Let them hate me, hit me, hurt me, nail me to their tree. I'd want to know, I'd want to know, my Brian. I'd want to know, I'd want to know, my Brian. Want to see, I'd want to see, my Brian. Want to see, I'd want to see, my Brian. Why should I die? Would I be more noticed than I ever was before? Would the things I've said and done matter anymore? I'd have to know, I'd have to know, my Brian. I'd have to know, I'd have to know, my Brian. Have to see, I'd have to see, my Brian. Have to see, I'd have to see, my Brian. If I die, what will be my reward? If I die, what will be my Have to know what, have to know my Lord Have to know what, have to know my Lord Why
4: should I die?
0: Show me now that I would not be killed in vain. Show me just a little of your omnipresent brain. Show me there's a reason for your wanting me to die. You're far too keen on where and how and not so hot on why. All right, I'm going to talk, sing this part. I'll die. Oh, just, just watch me die. See how, see how I die. Oh, Brian, yeah, see how I die. So this is the instrumental break. We can just sort of check in with each other. How are we doing? I think this is going okay. Pretty well for an old timer. As I said before, I'm no spring chicken. This is a much longer instrumental break than what I remember. And yet we're here. We're in it. I hope you're doing well. Thank you for being a Patreon donor. Giving, uh, I think, $3 a month. Every month. Uh, stick with us, Brian. Uh, we're here for 3 Okay, gotta go. Gotta sing. Mm-hmm. Then... I was inspired Now I'm sad and tired After all, I've tried for three years Seems like ninety Why then am I scared to finish? What I started What you started Brian I didn't start it God Thy will is
2: hard But you hold
0: Every card I will drink Kill me, Brian. Take me now before I change my mind. www.carafun.com 1.34 million subscribers. (laughs) Okay, Brian, I am tired now. I'm sad and tired. You get what I mean. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to let you go. Thanks again, buddy. This is me. Jesus Christ. I wear sandals and I have long brown hair and um, I'm white, right? That's that's what we saw. I mean, uh, you've seen my pictures. Okay. Bye-bye. Final thoughts on the light in the piazza. Piazza is just what I needed right now. I'm sure there have been several occasions where I've seen, where I have applied, I should say, the word refreshing to a particular subject, but piazza gives new meaning to the term cozy up with it. Give it a nuzzle and take it to bed with you. Have an affair with this show. Now, in 2005, the winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical was Monty Python's Spamalot. And the other nominees that season were Dirty Rotten Scoundrels and the 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, the movie in my mind. I have never spoken with this much conviction, but Spamalot can chow down on my deck. Throw it out with the baby and the bathwater. Spamalot, not my dick. I'll need that back when you're done chowing down on it. I mean, what were we thinking back in 2005? Spam a lot? give me a break. The Light in the Piazza stands head and shoulders above all of the other nominees from this season. It's no contest. It should have won, and now, today, it has. ha! <laughs> when it comes to ranking the show, I'm going to put The Light in the Piazza at number 9 on our list. Yes, right above that at number 8, Company, and right below it at number 10, a show that has been moved as of this week. It got bumped down, I believe got bumped down. It is now Number 10, that show is Man of La Mancha. So eight. Company Nine, The Light in the Piazza, Ten, Man of La Mancha. If you want to see how we've ranked all of the shows that we have already covered, go to our Twitter profile at Musical Pod. Click on the pinned tweet there. You'll go to a Google Sheet. Go to the second tab. You'll see that full breakdown. I was not able to find anything particularly wacky or silly or kooky or zany regarding show-related ephemera, uh, but I did find the trailer for the 1962 film adaptation of the novel starring George Hamilton. Again, I. Can't cannot express i cannot underscore this enough george hamilton as a young fresh-faced ingenue just seems totally crazy to me i feel like he came out of the womb looking like he does right now but (laughs) that's just me that's my bias let's listen to the nice pleasant audio for light and the piazza the 1962 film adaptation of the novel why did i say that a second time take it away me
5: Remember the first time you fell in love. Nothing like it before or since. Now prepare to fall in love all over again with the story that delighted millions of readers in The New Yorker as a prize-winning novel and as a Reader's Digest book selection. Only in Florence, City of Love, could such wonderful people make such a story come true.
3: Fortunatissimo. It means very happy to have met you, I think.
1: Fortunatissimo, Fabrizio!
5: Fortunatissimo, Clara! Olivia de Havilland, bellissima. Trying to hold off her daughter's suitor with one hand and the attentions of his father on the other. But what woman can fend off the international lovemaking of Rossano Brazzi? And our young lovers? Two of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer's most popular and vital young stars. Yvette Mimieux as Clara, refreshing, uninhibited. Oh, somebody pinched me. One of the most exciting talents of our day, as capable of reflecting a dramatic moment as she is lighting up the whole screen with her exuberance. Dynamic George Hamilton is Fabrizio. Of all the young stars in Hollywood, none has risen more swiftly or more triumphantly. Signora Johnson, Clara, this is the happiest of coincidences.
3: He knows exactly where we're going to be each day and at what time he's a bloodhound <laughs> i can't help thinking of two butterflies flitting through the sunlight except that butterflies don't really think very much about sex
5: we believe you will find light in the piazza one of the most delightful experiences you ever had in a theater lovely to look at light-hearted entertainment glowing with the faith of youth in love Magic to make you and me believe in their dreams.
0: Thank you so much for dropping that clip in, me. Ah, ha, ha, yes. To determine which show we discuss next, we'll need to take a ride on the musical carousel, otherwise known as the random number generator I named after that classic Rodgers and Hammerstein show. Have you considered Panama? Everyone ready? Then away we go! Well, 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 we have landed... In the year 1964, I'm looking at a Best Musical Award winner that ran for 2,844 performances. This is one of the biggest shows on this list. It is Hello, Dolly, the movie in my mind. Hello, Dolly is coming up for us. That's our next subject. It's true. Now, if you want to support the show financially, go to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod, okay? You can donate one. Three, five, or ten dollars a month. If you donate one dollar a month, you get Monday early access to all of these main feed episodes. You could be listening to these main feed episodes two days earlier than everyone else. It's true. You also get a weekly verbal shout out from me. Yes, that's right. Let's do that right now. Thank you so much for donating, Brian, Robin, Liz, Carrie, Maddie, Jonathan, Marcus, Rob, Shauna, Shiante, Roberto, Jordan, Ashley, Chris JC, Jenna, Aaron, Lily, Haley, Brandon, Brad, Matt, Zach, and Marisol. also get access to bonus episodes regarding the 73rd Annual Tony Awards, the trailer for the film Cats, ABC's The Little Mermaid Live, a review of the film Cats, a review of Emma, ah, Emma, the musical Emma, and our latest bonus episode is all about Take Me to the World, a Sondheim 90th birthday celebration that just dropped. It's fantastic. Donate a dollar. You get all that stuff. Ah, but that's not all. You also get access to Radio Boy, a weekly short-form series for which I take a closer look at myself and the songs that make me feel more like myself. And starting June 24th, 2020, you will have access to M3, The Movie Musical Man. If you donate a dollar or more, everyone who donates a dollar or more is going to have access to this. It's all about me watching trilogies of movie musicals that are tied by a common theme. Really looking forward to that. Ah? ah! we talked about it for so long, now it's becoming a reality. Isn't that wonderful? Ah! Now if you donate $3 a month, you get everything I've already mentioned, plus a musical shout-out in the style of a character actor or composer of your choosing uh, we heard that musical shout out for Brian earlier, you can have one of your very own, it's true, and let's see here, we also have season 1 10 episodes of Wildcats Everywhere the high school musical podcast that's what you get if you're a $3 a month patron, now let's say let's say you donate $5 a month, you get everything I've already mentioned, plus you get to stop the musical carousel and determine what show I discuss here on the podcast patron Robin chose the light in the piazza what will you choose, Huh? give me $5 and I'll know. I'll learn what you choose. You also get access to Season 1, 12 episodes of All I Ask of You, the advice show hosted by the Phantom of the Opera. You get my Broadway in Chicago review series, and you get Shout About It, Volume 1, a collection of all of the five, six, seven, eight ads and musical shoutouts from the first 25 episodes of the podcast. It's true. Now, if you donate $10 a month, you get everything I've already mentioned, plus 12 episodes, Season 1 of The Snub Club, a special series dedicated to Broadway musicals that we're never, never, never nominated for the Tony Award for Best Musical. Now, you might be wondering, where does my money go? Well, 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 here's the thing. 100% of the funds generated from May through July 2020 will go directly to the Chicago Coalition for the Homeless, okay? So we've already done our May payout, so that means we have two more payouts, okay, June and July. All of the money, 100% of the money we bring in during that time will be going to the Coalition. Uh, P.S., go to patreon.com slash Musical Man Pod. Check out our new stretch goals. That's right. M3, the movie Musical Man, is the direct result of us achieving our first stretch goal. We have two brand new stretch goals. I don't want to go into it. I want you to go to the website, Man musicalmanpod. See what's there. Check it out. If you're listening to the show through Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to write a five star review. Thank you very much in advance. Ah, uh, you might also be streaming the show. How would you be doing that? Maybe through Podbean, musicalmanpod.podbean.com, or maybe Stitcher. You can follow us on Twitter, at MusicalManPod, and email me at MusicalManPod at gmail.com. Thanks as always to Patty and Benny. I miss you very much. The movie in my mind. Alex Green for our beautiful logo, and Zach Little for our fabulous music. Uh -uh. Ah, you know what that sound means. Yes, just when the fun is starting, comes the time for parting. Oh well. We'll catch up some other time, specifically on the next episode of The Musical Man. So long. Farewell. ah, Wiedersehen, and good night. P.S. I hooked up with Craig Lucas twice when I was like 23. Details can be found in my DMs. Bye-bye.
1: We've got steak and eggs served with some home fries and Mickey waffles. Woo, I love me some steak and eggs. (laughs) Ever since they found mad cow disease in the US, I'm not taking any chances. It can live in your body for years before it ravages your brain.